Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. In my latest podcast episode, I update you on the recent quarterly performance at the vitamin shop, but also rate how the last four years have gone in terms of transformation progress under CEO Sharon Lighty. But before we get started, I would love if you took 48 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. After four years as the CEO of The Vitamin Shop, has Sharon Lighty exceeded or underperformed my expectations? So I'll get to my thoughts around that introductory question a bit later in this content, but I did want to run through some basics of the 2022 quarter three earnings report and conference call that was released November 3rd of 2022. And I also kind of want to quickly apologize for the slight delay in this content. I was attending the supplement industry business trade show called Supply Side West when this 10Q report was released. But for those that are unaware, the Vitamin Shop is no longer a standalone public company as it was acquired by the publicly traded holding company named Franchise Group. And if you want to follow along, that's a stock ticker FRG. Franchise Group owns an assortment of retail assets that obviously includes the Vitamin Shop, but also includes Pet Supplies Plus, American Freight, Buddy's Home Furnishings, Badcock Furniture, and Sylvan Learning. Being that the CFO of the franchise group doesn't like to break out a lot of this like segment level financial details, as always, this content will be softer on the financial numbers, but more focused on actionable strategic information about the vitamin shop, which I believe probably in the end is more valuable to my community anyways. So let's start at that segment level financial data to give you a basis of information on how the specialty supplement retailer has performed in its latest quarter. The Vitamin Shop's Q3 revenue was $296 million, which was down 1.5% year over year and also down about 3.5% on a quarter over quarter sequential basis. Same store comps for the quarter was negative 7.7%. This was driven by lower customer foot traffic and purchase volume, but was offset by higher prices. Digital sales accounted for 23.7% of the total revenue in Q3. The e-commerce channel, just to give you some sense, does about $300 million annually at the vitamin shop. Operating profit in the quarter was $25.5 million, which was basically flattish year over year on a comparative percentage basis. The Vitamin Shop ended the quarter at 702 stores overall in their system, which was down three from the previous quarter. In all but one, I think, of those store locations at this point is still corporate-owned. That being said, the management on the conference call stated that the Vitamin Shop franchising continues to build momentum with 35 stores sold in the third quarter, which brings the franchise location backlog to 55 stores. Shifting into a quick merchandising update, which... I'm going to kind of try and start doing quarterly where I basically kind of run through some of the recent notable announcements of new brands entering the vitamin shop or at least like mentioning signals that I'm seeing that could show future opportunities for those that do own brands that watch my content. 
So first off, I noticed a collection of significant sports and active nutrition merchandising additions. This decision makes really a lot of sense, especially when you consider that the category even got love from the franchise group CEO on the conference call. Two of the biggest sports and active nutrition brands in the entire industry, which would be Redcon One and First Form, saw their new energy drinks get added to the Vitamin Shops coolers. You also had Arms Race Nutrition kind of change up its exclusive GNC strategy and enter the Vitamin Shop. And then lastly, on the sports nutrition side, UK-based meal replacement brand Huel, which has been really like kicking the tires on some various kind of exit uh, event options earlier this year at least, they gained their largest US physical retail placement by being in the vitamin shop. Shifting into the beauty category, I've seen the vitamin shop really do a good job at creating a unique kind of inside-outside approach to that merchandising category. That's actually got them noticed by the industry publication Beauty Independent, as they were named the game-changing large retailer of the year. Now on the non-human nutrition side, and maybe this is frequency illusion, after getting my sheepadoodle puppy Onyx, but I noticed an uptick in pet nutrition products being added to the vitamin shop. This is a franchise group crossover strategy that I mentioned when they acquired Pet Supplies Plus. I would eventually like to really see them co-create a private label kind of supplement brand between the two retail brands, but we'll see if that plays out like I predicted two years ago. Now, speaking of private labels, the Vitamin Shop did decide to jump into the licensing strategy trend and launch DC superhero labeled body tech products with inspired flavors. So here's the deal. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I don't think anyone inside or outside of the Vitamin Shop doesn't already know this commentary is coming from a place of love, but this entertainment IP usage was really meh at best. I predicted last year that entertainment IP licensing would become increasingly popular in this supplement industry, but almost every new one would be subpar at best. These almost always lack important layers of authenticity, but also creativity because they don't have usage allowance depth from the licensor. That leaves the go-to-market strategy one-dimensional compared to something like when Ghost utilized the original Space Jam assets in an integrated marketing plan. In my opinion, just slapping a logo on a bottle and really kind of making up a creative like flavor name doesn't really move the needle on sales long-term and or be value accretive to the brand. Next, I want to kind of quickly talk about a continuation of an effective pandemic era strategy. The Vitamin Shop has dubbed this Vax for Snacks. And I'm not here to debate yes, no, whatever with your stance because that's your stance and I don't get into other people's personal health decisions. But as a health and wellness retailer, this is a good way to essentially kind of like siphon off attention and potentially increase the customer file for a low acquisition cost. Now, I want to shift into what I was referring to in the introduction, that question around Sharon Lighty. Now, on August 27th of 2018, Sharon Lighty officially became or, and kind of took over the role of CEO at the Vitamin Shop. Now, how has she done, in my opinion? Well, let's transport back in time first to kind of get a sense of what was happening at that time at the retailer. 
2016-ish was really the peak, like top line sales and store count era for the vitamin shop and also GNC. And cracks were quickly beginning to show at the vitamin shop, also GNC. As they struggled to compete with Amazon, the changing consumer expectations around shopping experiences, and really the dissemination of the supplement category as a whole. So when Sharon did get hired, things were quickly trending negatively externally, but also inside the vitamin shop. With a customer base that hadn't really grown much in years, they've had a lack of innovation culture and poor execution really in every department. And then also they had this like really the inability to kind of swiftly change to the landscape and evolve. So that was really a wake up call for change. And I remember that first real earnings call where Sharon laid out her plan of action. So that's what I'm going to judge her against. Did she follow through with that original kind of transformation plan or not? So let's start off at the obvious. That was the store optimization plan. That one got a ton of like headline shares and people were really kind of fearful about store closures. And they did say they were gonna close 10% of their store fleet over the next few years. And based on what I kind of said earlier, they did exceed that kind of metric by a few percentage points. And it's important to note that the store count will start growing in 2023 for the first time in about like five or so years. The other headline was about the cost optimization plan. And this one's a bit trickier to track because the vitamin shop isn't a public company anymore. That being said, the full year of 2018, the vitamin shop I think had an operating profit for the full year of like really under $10 million if I remember correctly. That's drastically different than today, where the vitamin shop will finish 2022 with an operating profit that exceeds $100 million. So two for two. Another major element that Sharon talked about in late 2018 was that the vitamin shop brand needed defined. And that's a tough thing to judge because while the franchise group does own the vitamin shop business, they don't own the brand, the customer does. Here's though what I think the vitamin shop has improved dramatically on. They know who they are, they know who they aren't, which has really helped them with consistency and clarity in messaging. I also think they know their customer better and how to effectively reach them. That shows in their customer file recently growing for the first time in years. I think this also relates to private label focus and growth. The Vitamin Shop isn't just a place that sells other brands anymore. They have launched several new private label brands and countless products underneath those brands. And this strategy also helps profitability, especially when we're talking about their new franchising model. Now, shifting into store design and everything that really that encompasses the shopping experience, Sharon also talked about revamping stores to a new model. This kicked off in late 2019, early 2020, and things obviously kind of got in the way in terms of rolling out that aggressively, but it is back on track now. It will likely speed up even faster if the vitamin shop starts to kind of refranchise some of its corporate stores. And part of that kind of ownership change, they require the revamping to that new store design. Part of that new store design revolved around providing a more frictionless retail experience. And that initiative has progressed dramatically with a larger focus on online initiated orders through click and collect, same day kind of last mile delivery partners, and traditional e-commerce, all creating a much more seamless shopping experience. But more so than that design, the shopping experience at the vitamin shop wasn't special, or at least in my opinion, and I think Sharon's opinion when she took on the job. They were a specialty retailer without meaningful differentiation. While I'm not sure if they're totally there yet, I do think things like customer data, 
and technology utilization, loyalty personalization, and in-store health enthusiast excellence overall has improved since late 2018. And then the final point was around the vitamin shop expanding outside of its regular kind of bricks and clicks. In terms of retail strategic partnerships, that was paused again during the pandemic, but has started materially again with the announcement to bring products on campus with their partnership with Follette at a collection of their like university stores. They also have upped their Amazon marketplace game and started advertising more through leveraging various digital media strategies. Beyond that, we can't really underplay that Sharon took the vitamin shop through an important acquisition, a decision and timing that arguably allowed them to be in a position of strength during one of the toughest periods in American business history. So how do I rate Sharon's four-year track record as the CEO of the vitamin shop? I would score it an A minus. The vitamin shop is not the same company from late 2018, and that's a great thing. Sharon has not only created a much stronger foundation, but also made the vitamin shop a more resilient company. Here's a prediction that I hope doesn't come true. The average tenure of a large company CEO in America is around seven years. In terms of the average age of an American publicly traded company CEO, Sharon is right at that average. So what does this mean? Despite the franchise group shielding the amazing performance from Clearview, the business world has noticed the amazing job that Sharon has done at the vitamin shop. So she's likely been fielding calls about a new challenge or maybe a bigger opportunity. Don't know that to be true. Don't want to see that happen at all. But here I am sharing my hunch. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly.